Do 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 do. Sure is hot out today. When are we gonna get some rain? I should adjust my microphone here. Man, I have a lot of tabs open. Who has that many tabs open? Such a loser. Matthew, are you there? Yep. Oh, hi. Uh, was I just talking to myself? Yep. Oh, that's embarrassing. Can you just hit the startup music and do the intro, please? Yeah, let's try that one again. Welcome back, everyone, to the Practicology Podcast, and welcome to the first episode of our August Summer Challenge. More on that later. I'm Matthew Kane. I'm joined, as usual, by our co-host, Mike Knox. Mike, I know you're with me since I heard you talking back there, but maybe I should ask you, are you with it? Because I think you were talking to yourself once again. Haha, <laughs> yeah, I actually do that a lot. Sometimes I even answer myself back, and I know we joke around about this sort of thing, my workmates and I used to chuckle at a colleague in finance. Uh, that's not a dig at you, Matthew, ex-accountant, but sure. uh, we, we, we could hear him talking to himself through the walls of his office. That's because the rest of you guys gave us good reason to have to talk to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you were muttering at all the mistakes we made, I guess. But, but is talking to oneself a sign of onsetting craziness? Not at all. In fact, you my dear listener, might be crazy not to talk to yourself. Listen to what the good Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones had to say on the subject. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? You know what, that, that quote, when I first heard it, hit me so hard that I want to say it again, just in case you've never heard it before. Here it is again. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. You hear what Dr. Lloyd-Jones is saying? He's saying, most of our unhappiness in life comes from a failure to talk to ourselves. Instead of listening to ourselves, we need to talk to ourselves. That is a very interesting quote, Mike, and I'd like to think about it a little bit more. It's certainly meaningful coming from an authority like the good doctor of London back a century ago, but Mike, maybe I can do one better than you because we've got an even higher authority to quote than Martin Lloyd-Jones. In fact, I'm thinking that many of our listeners will be able to quote these words along with me as many of you are participating in our 2021 August Summer Challenge, which is to memorize Psalm 103. If this is your first time joining us, please go to our website. You can find out more about it and there's still time to join the challenge. The verses we were memorizing this week are verses 1 to 5. Let's say them together. I hope you're saying them with me. I'm now quoting from the English Standard Version, Psalm 103 of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Thanks, Matthew. That's great. Actually, Lloyd-Jones made that comment I quoted in a sermon on Psalm 42. And remember what the songwriter said in that psalm. He, he said to himself, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 42, verses 5 to 6. And yes, here in Psalm 103, 
David does the same thing. He, he stops listening to himself and he starts talking to himself. Yeah. And I have certainly said those words at times from Psalm 42 and talked to myself with those words. But tell me, what is the difference between listening to ourselves and talking to ourselves? Expand on that a little bit for us. Sure. I mean, many of us hear a constant voiceover, a voiceover in our daily lives. It's like we have this ability to station ourselves outside of ourselves and watch ourselves as we perform all these actions in life. The self provides a running commentary on how we are doing. And unlike British soccer commentary, it's usually not a very pretty thing to listen to. Uh, so for example, we might, we might hear ourselves saying, I don't feel very Christian right now. Wow, slept in again. Other believers never do what I just did. Hmm, I think that prayer of mine sets a new world record for short, pathetic prayer. I'm not feeling very thankful right now. I sure failed to be gracious to that family member. You get the idea. Sadly, we can be quite critical of others, but often the person we harbor the meanest thoughts against is our own selves. See why Lloyd-Jones said that this is the cause of most of our unhappiness. This is what many of us are listening to every day. It's awful. But talking to ourselves is different. It's saying, I'm not going to listen to this garbage anymore. I'm going to turn down the volume on this cruel running commentary, and I'm going to speak truth, gospel truth to myself instead. That sounds good, Mike. I'm thinking we also hear a lot in our culture about self-esteem and about positive self-talk. So is this really any different or are you just sort of co-opting popular psychology and finding a Bible verse to stick it into? Well, I don't think so. Um, First, I mean, the Psalms do do this. We've looked at two Psalms now. And so you can't argue with that. David here is talking to himself and and is modeling for all the ancient Israelites and us today to, to copy him in this practice. In Psalm 42, it, it looks like he's trying to talk himself out of feelings of depression. And secondly, I take comfort in the fact that Lloyd-Jones is the one saying this too. If you know anything about the man, you'll know that uh, he was more disposed to jumping off bandwagons and not onto them. But far more important than that, notice that there's a big difference between some of the positive self-talk promoted today and the kind that David is doing here. He's not saying anything remotely close to what a popular New Age author promoted by Oprah said, for instance. And here I'm going to quote you this author's version, if you will, of Psalm 103. This is what this New Age writer would, would, this is how she would have written Psalm 103. Addressing herself, she says, the earth turns on its orbit for you. The oceans ebb and flow for you. The birds sing for you. The sun rises and it sets for you. The stars come out for you. Every beautiful thing you see, every wondrous thing you experience is all there for you. Take a look around. None of it can exist without you. No matter who you thought you were, now you know the truth of who you really are. You are the master of the universe. You are the heir to the kingdom. You are the perfection of life. And now you know the secret. Well, (laughs) let me just clarify that I completely disagree with every single syllable in that paragraph I just quoted. David is doing something completely different. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't let yourself forget how great he is. Remember what he has done for you, what he thinks of you and has done for you. That's good. So I get it there. He's not listening to himself with discouraging thoughts. He's talking to himself with God's truth 
And the self-talk he's engaging in, though, is not it's not just pumping himself up on how great he himself is, but as you're saying, on how great God is. Yeah, that's right. Biblical self-talk leads not to worship or praise of the self, but to praise of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, with everything that's in you. He's saying to himself, find joy in the Lord. Let praise gush out from your heart to him. Of course, often we don't feel like praising the Lord and just telling ourselves over and over on repeat to do so doesn't help. Uh, There's a fitness instructor in our community who brings a big water jug for his hapless victims who uh, join his workouts and you have to pump the handle a few times before the water starts to flow. And and that's how we are. We we need something to to get the flow going, to to get the praise, the joy to to start up again in our hearts. And so in verse 2, David says to his soul again, he says it a second time, bless the Lord. And, but then he, he goes further. He says, forget not all his benefits. Here, David begins to rehearse what he knows to be true about the Lord. This is the truth he's going to speak to himself. And so he says, forget not all his benefits. Don't lose track of all the good things God has done for you. Well, what are these benefits? Well, here's the first one. It says, he forgives all your iniquity. That'll get the thankfulness and the praise flowing. He forgives all my iniquities. I'm pretty sure David emphasized that word all when he talked to himself using these verses. He looked in the mirror and he saw an ex-murderer, ex-adulterer, and he said, listen here, David, the Lord has forgiven all of your sins. Forgiven, gone. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All right, and benefit number two, he heals all your diseases. Now, this is not the same as what Kenneth Copeland purported to do for people uh, several months ago through their television screens when he would have you look into his eyes, which are kind of freaky, actually, and he would say that uh, COVID be gone from you. But there's actually a relationship between these first two benefits, aren't there? That's not to say every disease we have is a direct result of a specific sin that we commit, not at all, not saying that at all. But every disease is ultimately a result of man's sin. There's disease in the world because there is sin. And if the Lord has forgiven the ultimate cause, the sin, then we know he will heal all the symptoms one day. The diseases will be gone. Yeah, I appreciate how you're wording that, Matthew. Already in this life, we often can celebrate how the Lord heals us. We, we get a few good sleeps and a couple bowls of chicken soup, and the cold is gone, and we feel so thankful to be feeling better again. We take a trip to the dentist, and the toothache leaves us. A little injection, and the ear infection clears up. And many, many times, the Lord heals us from far more serious problems than that, using surgeries or treatments, and other times even miraculous healing. Uh, although very much different from the name you just mentioned, Matthew. But maybe almost as often the Lord does choose to leave us with the pain or the illness. Many that we know suffer lifelong infirmities. And does this mean that when these dear believers are using Psalm 103 to talk to themselves about, about the Lord, does it mean that when we come to this line about he heals all our diseases, we kind of have to mumble a little bit? or say it really quietly because we don't actually believe it's true? No, not at all. You can say it with absolute truthfulness and with complete faith. Because why? Because one day the Lord will heal his people from every single one of their illnesses without exception. It'll all be 
gone, all of our sickness. Excellent point and encouraging. This is part of our hope uh, when Christ comes and we'll be like him and faith is taking God at his word and we can rest that God will bring that to pass. Benefit number three points us to this same reality. Again, Mike, he redeems our life from the pit. I mean, this is again talking about the final result of sin, death itself. And redeem is the imagery of someone who's been a captive or a slave and someone else comes along and pays the price to set them free. So as we talk to ourselves using Psalm 103, gospel truth, when you come to this line, remember how you were a prisoner in chains being herded down into the pit of death and hell forever. And our God took pity on us. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He provided his son to give his life so that we could be redeemed and saved forever. And it's through Christ shed blood alone that we've been redeemed. And it's through his death that we have all of our sins forgiven and all of our diseases ultimately healed. Yeah, we're seeing, Matthew, how this psalm, though written in the Old Testament, is taking us into Christ, isn't it? Mm. The ultimate goodness of the Lord that we see, we see in the coming of our Lord Jesus for us. And and now as we come to benefit number four, the praise is starting to flow, the the, the pump is working, and, and we, we feel things being stirred in our hearts, maybe, a flicker of joy, a, a measure of gratitude. And we come to benefit four, and it says, he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Those prisoners you describe, Matthew, well, the Lord was so good, he didn't just remove our chains and peel back the death sentence over our heads. No, he actually crowned us. He put a crown on our heads, and the crown is called God's steadfast love and mercy. So we're free, we're liberated, and now God has given us something even greater. He's given us a dignity. What is our dignity? Our royalty, if you will. It's this, that we are loved by God. Remember the uh, disciple, the apostle John, as he writes about himself in the fourth gospel. He doesn't call himself by name. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. In Romans 1, when Paul writes to the believers there in Rome, what does he call them? He says to all those in Rome who are loved by God. So how do I talk like this to myself? I say, Mike, you were in death camp. You were marching into hell as Satan's prisoner. It was shameful. It was sinful. It was completely absent of all dignity. It was, it was unhuman. But now you're free, Mike, and you're forgiven and you've been given this precious dignity. This is your worth. This is your meaning. This is your sense of identity. This is what makes you special. You are crowned with God's love and mercy. And so finally, we come to benefit number five. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And here, when we come to this one, we're thinking maybe not so much of the Lord as our redeemer, but of the Lord as our creator and provider. He's constantly giving us good things. We get tired and achy at the end of a hard day, and he gives us sleep, and we wake up refreshed. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. We have a hard, stressful time of work, and then the Lord gives us a Sabbath, a day off of rest. Beloved, here, as, as you talk to yourself this wonderful truth about your father, you can just go all out. Let me give you a, a sample of recent good things the Lord has given me that have renewed me physically and mentally and emotionally and relationally and sometimes spiritually because it's all connected anyways. Uh, so, so here we go. Just on Monday, a fresh basket of strawberries locally grown. 
Actually, better make that seven baskets of strawberries. Uh, yesterday, he gave me a great big daub of sticky, gooey honey spread all over a toasted bagel. A week ago, a day with my family at the beach, the hot sun, the big cool lake, a good book to read. A visit, I think it was just last night, a visit with friends whom I haven't been able to see for so, so long. A cool shower, it goes on and on. Maybe for you, it's the hug from a friend. Maybe it's the gift someone gave you. Maybe an encouraging word. Maybe a campfire with some of your chums. A walk with a friend. A book comes in the mail. Last week, um, just again to go to one of my own, last week a wonderful lady in our community dropped off a fresh rhubarb pie, hot out of the oven, just in time for our family for lunch. What, what, yeah, what, what did I do to deserve that? Nothing. But the Lord satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. You are right, Mike. And listeners, I want you to think through what Mike's giving us today. Don't I don't want you just to think, oh, this is just some uh, fluffy self-talk because it's far from it. This is actually valuable truth. It's an important lesson. It's biblical. Um, we need not to listen to ourselves with those messages which the devil would want to use to tempt us with to drag us down. Um, and this isn't self-talk that's just saying, oh, I'm special because I'm me. No, this is Christ honoring. This is talk that is magnifying Christ, not me, because it's centered in the gospel and the glory and greatness of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it causes me to reflect, Matthew, like, why do we need to talk to ourselves this way about our God? Like, Where does the negative, cruel, mean self-commentary that's normally playing in my mind's airwaves, where does that come from? And I do think it's ultimately from the fall in the garden when we sinned against God. Satan then and ever since has been whispering the lie into our hearts that God is not good. He doesn't love us. That was what he was suggesting and and the doubt he was planting in Eve's heart. And I think the awful stuff we hear ourselves saying about ourselves is a reflection of what we imagine God is saying about us when we're not looking or listening. I remember a little girl uh, and we we asked her, what does a cow say? And of course she said, moo. What does a dog say? Ruff, ruff. What does a cat say? She says, meow. And then finally I asked her, well, what does daddy say? No. (laughs) And that's what we think about our father. What does our father say? No. He's the no God. He's all about denying us. And that's why we need Psalm 103 and to talk to ourselves. God is not the no God. Here is just one of the Bible's many responses to the lie. He is the God who gives and gives and gives. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself about how good he is to you, how much he loves you. Remember your dignity. You are loved by him. I love the picture that an author gave me many years ago when I read his book. He suggested that we envision two houses. The one is presided over by sin, the master sin. And inside there's a feast and maybe it smells good and it looks good. Sin is hosting a party and you can go in there and eat, but the results are stomach pains. The result is a bitter taste in the mouth. The result ultimately is that you're going to eat poison and die. Meanwhile, just, just, just next door is another house presided over by our father. And he lays the table and is rich. It includes salvation. It includes forgiveness. It promises eternal life. It gives us hope beyond the grave. Even in this life, 
the table is, is stacked with blessings undeserved. And the author says, he, he asks us to compare the two. Who gives the greatest benefits? Which master will we trust and serve? Let's, let's let Psalm 103 and the practice, the spiritual discipline of talking to ourselves, help persuade us that we're going to eat and find our satisfaction and joy at the table of our Father. Mike, thank you for those words. And when you were teaching us that, it reminded me of some words we heard from Sandy Higgins years ago when he was talking about parenting, actually, and how uh, children do hear so many negative or discouraging messages. It's discouraging for them at times in the run of a day and how we should be making a, a conscious effort to be giving them more positive words and words of encouragement. In the rush and stress of the day, it's easy to be saying no more. So to take time and effort to think about things to encourage them with is a good reminder. And of course, it also brings me to Luke 11, when the Lord is giving teaching on prayer and coming to the Father. And he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? No, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The point is that our father wants to bless us, hmm. wants to give us these benefits, some of which you've been unfolding from Psalm 103. So thanks so much, Mike. And to all of our listeners, please remember to join in on this summer challenge. Mike has gotten us off to a good start. There's still room for you to get in on it. Next week, we're going to be looking at the next section in Psalm 103, verses 6 to 10. So try and memorize them through the week. You can go back to episode 24, listen to that one again for some tips on how to memorize and why we should memorize scripture. And remember the last reason that we gave you in that episode, there is an incentive. There's a free book for all who will be able to memorize Psalm 103 with us, and we would love to give that to you. Yes. And what are you enjoying from the verses you're memorizing? Uh, we invite you to share it to our Twitter feed. Uh, also check up our Instagram account or Facebook page and just leave a comment and so that the rest of us can enjoy a sort of peer over your shoulders as you meditate on Psalm 103. Yeah, we'd love to have you interact with us. You can search for the Practicology podcast on all of those platforms that Mike has just mentioned. And we thank you so much for tuning in today. And we hope to have you with us again next episode as we go through the next section of Psalm 103. May the Lord pour his blessings and benefits upon you today. And may you rejoice in them with gratitude. Yeah, see you everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.